Hi, everyone. This is Alicia Halliday, and welcome to this week's ASF Weekly Science Podcast. This week, I am thrilled and honored to have two special guests on my podcast, and they're here to talk about the updates to the CDC developmental surveillance developmental milestones. So I know many of you have had seen the, the press around this and had submitted questions about how it's going to impact you or your practice or your family or your pediatrician's advice. And so when you want the experts, you ask the experts. So today I have uh, two people I wanna first introduce, Lisa Wiggins. Dr. Wiggins is a behavioral scientist for the National Center of Birth Defects and Developmental Disabilities at the Centers for Disease Control. So what she does there is she implements public health projects that improve the lives of children with disabilities and their families. She is a leading expert in autism spectrum disorder. You probably have heard her name before. And she provides consultation for national and international projects related to screening, assessing, diagnosing, and helping individuals with ASD. The other um, expert I wanna, I wanna thank joining us is Dr. Jennifer Zubler. She is a general pediatrician who's been in practice for 20 years. She completed a LEND fellowship at Georgia State University, and she continues to mentor trainees. She is a consultant for the CDC's Learn the Signs Act early program, where she collaborates with not just the CDC, but the American Academy of Pediatrics around early identification and intervention for children with developmental disabilities. She is the co-author on many studies, so is Dr. Wiggins, and also co-authors on the study that backed up the updates and the refresher for the developmental milestones. So Dr. Zubler and Dr. Wiggins, thank you for joining us today. Do you, um, have anything else that I missed in your bios that you want to add? No, I don't have anything to add. This is Lisa Wiggins, but just uh, extend a big thank you to uh, you and for the Autism Science Foundation for having us on today's podcast. Yes, and this is Jen. Thank you very much for having us. We appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Well, we appreciate your feedback and your input and your perspective on this. So let's get into it. So the first question that people ask or should be asked is what exactly is a developmental milestone and why are they important to track development? So um, Dr. Zubler, Dr. Wiggins, who wants to start? Uh, this is Lisa Wiggins, I'll start. And I think that this is an extremely important question because it really does provide the uh, foundation for the CDC checklist and um, the purpose of those checklists. So milestones are skills or abilities that emerge over time and they provide a foundation for more advanced skills to develop. A really simple example is moving from saying one word to combining two words together to talking in short phrases or sentences. Uh, it's important to remember that children develop at their own unique pace, um, but developmental milestones are considered to be universal. So that means that they generally develop by a certain age in most children and can therefore be used as markers of typical development. Uh, an understanding of milestones can help us identify children who may be at risk for developmental delays. We know that as many as one in four children in the US is at moderate to high risk for having a developmental delay and that it's important to recognize these children as soon as possible so they can get the treatment they need uh, during a time of really rapid brain development. But unfortunately, many kids with developmental delay are not being identified before they start kindergarten and may miss out on early intervention services. 
that truly have an impact on future learning. The American Academy of Pediatrics, or the AAP, recommends developmental surveillance at all health supervision visits to identify kids who may be at risk for developmental delays. And tools like the CDC checklist are one component of developmental surveillance. So developmental surveillance involves asking parents about their child's development, eliciting any concerns in addition to assessing strengths and challenges and observing the child during the visit. Anybody can monitor a child's development. This can be a parent, an educator, a healthcare professional, and it is an important first step in the early identification of children who may be at risk for delays. However, it is only one step and developmental surveillance or developmental monitoring is an informal process. So there are no rules, there are no standards for how monitoring should be conducted. Uh, the milestone checklist therefore do not represent a new standard for parents or for professionals. Instead, they are intended to be used as communication tools to promote developmental monitoring and to encourage conversations between parents and providers. If a parent has a concern or if a provider has a concern, then additional steps can be taken. And one of those steps is talking with the doctor about developmental screening. Developmental screening is a more formal process and it can tell if a child needs a more in-depth evaluation. So the process moves from monitoring or observation to screening to evaluation and then to treatment. However, parents should also remember that they can ask for developmental screening or they can ask for a developmental evaluation anytime that they have a concern about their child's development. The last point that I want to make is that we have found that the CDC milestone, uh, milestone checklist, they do much more than just promote developmental monitoring. They also teach parents and they teach professionals about skills that kids should develop by a certain age and they empower families to take a more active role in their child's care by initiating conversations and asking for screening or evaluation when concerned. Families are the experts on their child, absolutely, and we recognize that. And tools such as the CDC Milestone Checklist can help families and can help professionals work together um, and work collaboratively to monitor and promote their child's development. Thank you. Um, you had these previous milestones on a website that the Autism Science Foundation directs many families to, which is the Learn the Signs Act early page where I know that they've been updated. Why change them? And I'm going to defer to Dr. Zubler for that. Yes, thanks. So CDC's Learn the Signs Act early program has been gathering feedback from parents and early childhood professionals who are using the material since 2004 when the program first started. And in 2019, we had the opportunity to support a review and a revision process to address the feedback that the program had been receiving. And so the milestones were revised for several reasons. The first was, there was a need for a 15 and a 30 month checklist. And this was to provide checklists for all the American Academy of Pediatrics recommended well-child visits, also called health supervision visits, from two months to five years of age. And that was to support conversations between parents and healthcare providers at each one of those well-child visits. Another reason they were revised is that parents, healthcare providers, and other early childhood professionals 
We're also reporting that the checklist could create unnecessary worry because not all the milestones were ones that most children would be expected to achieve by that age. At the same time, parents were being prompted to act early. So some parents were reporting stress, along with encountering the wait-and-see approach when talking with their healthcare providers. Some professionals and families who were using the materials felt the checklist didn't recognize that there was a range of typical development the milestones were always paired with the message to act early if your child's missing milestones, talk with your child's doctor, ask about developmental screening. So there was a need to ensure that these were milestones that most children would be expected to achieve. As a public health program providing a health communication tool, it's important to provide information that's clear and as evidence informed as possible in order to increase awareness without causing unnecessary concerns. So the approach to provide milestones that most children are expected to achieve may help prevent unnecessary worry or uncertainty about appropriate next steps to better support families and early childhood professionals in acting when a milestone is missed rather than taking a wait and see approach. And lastly, there was additional feedback that some of the milestones or the wording of the milestones were not as clear as they could be. The milestones have always been written at a fifth to seventh grade reading level, but there was still room for improvement, according to the feedback. Some milestones and wording were confusing. Things like might use one hand more than another, begins to say consonant sounds, may be afraid of strangers, knows about things used every day like money and food, made it difficult for some parents to know what they should be observing to feel their child had met that milestone, and what to do if a child was not doing that milestone yet, or how to complete the checklist if a child doesn't exhibit an optional milestone. Also, having very similar milestones across checklists was also confusing. Parents wanted to know at which age their child really should be doing the milestone. There was also confusion about which milestones were most important on the checklist. The old checklist had two lists of milestones on them, a general list of milestones and an act early, don't wait call out box stating if your child's missing milestones or any of these separately listed milestones, you should act. This created confusion on whether or not missing milestones in the general list were ones to act on early. And if so, which ones in the general list were concerning? Early childhood professionals questioned how many can you miss? And so there was a need to remove duplicated milestones, clarify the language used in the milestones, and make sure that milestones were ones most children would be expected to achieve to clearly inform parents and early childhood professionals, including physicians, about when and how to act early. You know, these changes didn't just happen overnight. You guys obviously had a process to which they got changed. So Dr. Wiggins, what was the process that you used to make sure you, you addressed some of the concerns that Dr. Zuller just mentioned? Well, you are correct. It did not happen overnight. This was a multi-year process and it was a joint effort with the American Academy of Pediatrics or AAP, as I've mentioned before, and CDC's Learn the Science Act Early program. So first we um, joined together eight developmental experts in the field. And we, we recruited these experts to help guide the revisions 
The experts were trained in a variety of different areas, including pediatrics, child psychology, special education, um, speech language pathology. Some had previously developed screening tools or professional guidelines. Um, another had experience as a family navigator. Um, so they had a wealth of different experience and technical expertise in child development. And we wanted to develop a standardized process to guide the revisions. We wanted to do that so that the methods were clear and could be replicated by other groups in the future. But basically there were three essential steps that we undertook to guide the process. And the first step was to develop criteria that would determine how the milestones were presented for each of the checklists aligned with a health supervision visit. And some of the criteria were um, that the milestone had to be easy for families of different social, cultural, and ethnic backgrounds, that they had to be observable to parents, and that they had to show progression of skill development from one age to another, because we really wanted to show how children develop over time so that parents can celebrate a child's growth and development. So step number two was to identify specific milestones that could be included at the checklist. And we were particularly interested in finding normative data to support our decisions. So I wanna take just a moment to describe what normative data is. And it basically is um, information that characterizes what most children can do at a specific point in time. So this type of information uh, compares an individual skill or an individual outcome to the standard achievement within a group of people. And it therefore can serve as a reference or provide a baseline for comparison. Normative data are often described as percentiles and percentiles are the percent of the population that score at or below a certain number. So for example, a milestone at the 75th percentile represents what about 75% of children can do at a particular age. So this type of information gives a very clear picture at the age when a parent or a provider could consider screening and evaluation if a milestone that most other children would be expected to have mastered has not been achieved by an individual child. We conducted a literature review to find normative data um, that provided percentiles, specifically 75th percentiles for the development of specific skills. And then we also reviewed published clinical opinions based on experience and then data available from uh, common screening and evaluation tools. And we ended up calling this process evidence-informed because we were unable con to conduct observational studies ourselves, but instead used published normative data and other available resources. So we compiled all of the milestones that were backed by research and opinions uh, to move on to the third step of the revision process, which was to evaluate and determine which specific milestones would appear on which age checklist. So the evaluation process was first conducted by AAP and CDC expert work group. And then each expert was involved in reviewing the evidence, 
deciding whether there was enough evidence to conclude that at least 75% of children could be expected to achieve by a certain age. And then all of our decisions were made by consensus. And then after that, after the third step, uh, CDC's Learn the Signs Act early team also reviewed the milestones to ensure that they were family friendly and written at a fifth to seventh grade reading level. And the last step was that cognitive testing was done with over 50 families to get their feedback. And that testing included English and Spanish speaking families from different racial groups, education levels and income levels. We wanted to make sure that these milestones were easily understood by parents of all different types of children. That makes sense. Thank you for clarifying that. What was changed? Like we, Dr. Zubler, you talked about some things in general. Can you give us some examples of things that were changed from the last version to this version? So we were able to make those new 15 and 30 month checklists. So that's new and it gives us more opportunity to support developmental conversations with families and early childhood professionals. The results of the revision process changed the number, types, and age placement of some milestones. So there was a reduction in the total number of milestones, and I'll give some examples of milestones in a minute. And some milestones were eliminated because they were duplicates. Others were removed because of lack of evidence to support inclusion or lack of unanimous agreement to include the milestone on a surveillance tool. So the checklist went from an average of 23 miles, milestones per checklist to 13. And 60% of the milestones are retained previous CDC milestones, 40% are new milestones. For the CDC milestones that were retained, only a third of them were moved to a different age. Most of the time it was moved to an older age, while two thirds of the retained old milestones stayed at their original age. The wording used to describe the milestones may have changed to make it easier to understand, to work on that clarity piece. So for instance, the old milestone says several single words, is now tries to say three or more words besides mama or dada. The use of the word several was eliminated and besides mama and dada were added to improve understanding for parents. Some examples of milestones that were moved to an age when most children would be expected to achieve them are milestones like begins to pass things from one hand to the other at six months, change to moves things from one hand to his other hand at nine months, responds to his own name at six months, change looks when you call his name at nine months, follow simple directions like pick up the toy at 12 months, change to files directions when you say them with a gesture like give me the toy while putting out your hand at 15 months. So those are just a few examples. It's important to keep in mind that CDC's milestones and checklists are not developmental guidelines or standards, nor screening or diagnostic tools. The milestones are just one part of the Learn the Science Act Early Health Communication Tools. Most children should meet the milestones by the checklist age. If not, parents and early childhood providers are encouraged to act early by doing developmental screening, which can assess risk of developmental delays and guide referrals. Even if screening results are not concerning, if parents or providers still have concerns, 
it's recommended that a child still be referred for further evaluation. So for example, if there were concerns that a child was exhibiting autistic behaviors, but the results of an autism screening tool were non-concerning, the child should still be referred. I just want to enforce how important these milestones are, because especially if you're a first-time parent that has no idea what they're doing, you know, we can read books or whatever, but then when you're in the thick of it, you need a quick website to go to every few months to say, okay, this is what my child should be doing. This is what I should expect my child to accomplish. And I know that there's a little bit of, of wiggle room in terms of, you know, not right at the six month mark, maybe it's at the six month and one week mark. But um, I think that, that when you report concerns to your pediatrician, you should have sense of confidence to explain why you're concerned. And so I think that these, that these milestones are really important for parents. Dr. Wiggins, since the, these milestones have been released, do you expect there to be any impact? And what impact do you expect? Yes, absolutely. And we have already seen an impact from the paper that was published in Pediatrics. So one of the main goals for the milestone revisions was to increase focus and conversation on child development. And that has certainly happened since the publication. We found that visits to the Learn the Signs Act Early Program webpage have increased by over 1 million hits. And there have been more than 60,000 new downloads of the Milestone Tracker app since the release of the paper. And in less than one month, the paper reached the top 5% of research outputs that gained public attention. We think that these are really positive indicators that parents and professionals are at least talking about child development and how to best monitor expected skills and expected abilities at different ages. This, this type of public attention has also given us an opportunity to clarify the purpose of these checklists to highlight research gaps and to engage new partners. So I just wanna re reiterate this point. The two main purposes of the CDC milestone checklist are to promote developmental monitoring and encourage conversations between parents and providers about child development. So they can be viewed as only one step in the process of identifying developmental delays, but they cannot be used alone to serve this purpose. So although it is an important step, additional screening and evaluation are needed to confirm whether or not a child has a developmental delay um, and needs services. Revisions to the checklist, um, as Jen mentioned earlier, remove any confusion as to whether a conversation between a parent and a professional should occur if a milestone has not been achieved. So since these new set of milestones represent what at least 75% of kids can do at a specific age, uh, a conversation is warranted if a child has not mastered a specific skill. Another impact is highlighting gaps in research on the attainment of individual skills and abilities. So we did look for research data to support our decisions um, over published clinical opinions, but there was really, uh, there was very little research available. Uh, we did a, a comprehensive literature review and found only 34 articles that cited normative data. Um, we found 34 articles and of those 24 had normative data uh, that indicated what percent of children were expected to do by a certain age. 
We also found that um, social, emotional, and cognitive milestones were the most difficult to find. So the physical or motor milestones were much more common. But even still, we were able to match about 80% of the new milestones to normative data from at least one source. So we hope that this information will inspire more research on when individual milestones emerge in large populations of children. And we also hope that this will inspire research on social, emotional, and cognitive milestones, especially because they are least represented in the literature. And then a final note is that the milestone revisions gave CDC the chance to engage new partners. Partnerships are absolutely critical to the work that CDC does and help us develop the best communication tools for the largest audiences. Uh, since the publication of the paper, we have met with several different um, partner groups, including the American Speech Language Hearing Association, the American Physical Therapy Association, among others, and have strengthened our partnerships with the American Academy of Pediatrics. We hope that these partnerships will continue so we can all work together to best support children and families. I just wanna reiterate what you said, that the milestones are not meant to substitute for a full developmental screening. In fact, they're meant to start a conversation and to start the process by which parents feel confident and empowered enough to know about what are some of the milestones that they should be reaching. So everybody, please don't take these milestones as a substitution for any sort of clinical evaluation you may need. Um, I'd like to turn it to Dr. Zubler and ask her how she expects these revised milestones to help families and how can they access them? So, um, you know, we've talked a lot about already how these can really help support conversations that families are having with different types of early childhood professionals. So early child educators, home visitors, pediatrician, family medicine, other healthcare providers. So really the core is that we think they can really help families support having these conversations. I do wanna mention that there's also the inclusion of new open-ended questions, which encourage families to discuss important things about their child's development that milestones alone may not capture. Again, these checklists encourage families to ask questions or share any concerns they have regardless of whether a child is achieving the milestones listed. They also help families know when routine well-child visits are due, know about universal developmental screening and when screening is due, and know that there are early intervention services and how they can access them. Efforts were made to select milestones that families and caregivers could relate to and observe in natural settings, like their homes, preschool, or out and about in the community. And they were written to be clear to understand, as we've already mentioned, at a fifth to seventh grade reading level. And they were tested with families to make sure that they were clear to understand. And they're also available in English and Spanish, and some are currently being translated into additional languages. We hope the revisions made from a health communication and parents' perspective make the milestones relatable and accessible to more families. The checklists are available in several free formats, and they can all be found at www.cdc.gov slash actearly slash materials. For families that like to use apps, the CDC's Milestone Tracker app is available in the Apple and Google stores. It allows families to track multiple children at one time. 
It has built-in reminders to schedule their child's well-child visits, to complete a checklist before that visit, and it allows families to share a summary of the checklist with their child's doctor and others. Another option for families is to download and print and complete the checklist online. They can also order free Milestone Moment booklets for a complete series of Milestone checklists all in one booklet. And early childhood professionals, including healthcare providers, can also access these free resources to use with families they serve. Again, the website to find them on is www.cdc.gov slash actearly slash materials. So Dr. Zubler, we just talked about helping families. How can these revised milestones help healthcare professionals? The aim of the revisions was to provide clearly written milestones reflecting what most children would be expected to achieve so that healthcare providers and families can spend less time addressing concerns around vague or average age milestones and more time on other concerns or those not captured by milestones. The revision to the milestones and open-ended questions can help healthcare providers have strength-based discussions about a child's development and support clinical decision-making to perform developmental screening when concerns arise. This in addition to universal developmental screening. So we always want children to have the recommended universal developmental screening, but we want to be consideration for additional screening as the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends if concerns arise between those screenings. It's important for early childhood professionals, including physicians to know, that developmental screening should be considered if there are any concerns, regardless of milestone achievement. It's also important for healthcare providers to know the strengths and limitations of any tools they use. The revision process was published so professionals using a checklist would better understand their strengths and limitations. The checklists do not contain all possible milestones children may exhibit. Inclusion or exclusion of a milestone was based on limited available published evidence, as Lisa mentioned, and is not a reflection of the significance of a particular milestone in a child's development. The milestones do not change screening or diagnostic evaluation tools used by therapists, specialists, or the development of treatment plans and should not be used to initiate or discontinue services. They are instead part of a communication tool to support families in having regular discussions about development, many of which can occur at those well-child visits. These ongoing discussions at each health supervision visit can support establishing trusting relationships in which families feel comfortable discussing developmental concerns. Thank you. I just want to reiterate for parents out there, it may be helpful no matter what you know, however your child's trajectory goes, you're going to be asked about the age at which they said their first utterance, the age at which they said their first word, the age at which they walked. This is going to happen over and over again. So for first time parents, kind of keeping track of these milestones is a good idea no matter what happens. So um, you just, I, I can't believe the number of times I've been asked, um, even for my typically developing daughter, what was the age that she first gestured? What was the age that she first said her first word? What was her first word? Um, and I don't really remember the age. I just kind of remember it happening. So it's kind of good to keep in the back of your mind, just kind of keeping track of these milestones for your, because you're going to be asked about them again. 
So uh, Dr. Wiggins, there were some other changes to the Learn the Signs Act early materials besides just these milestones. Can you tell us what those were? Yeah, certainly. So you, you're correct. It is important to keep track of developmental milestones. And that's why the milestones are listed on the CDC um, checklist. However, these materials are more than milestones. And that is an important uh, point to remember. So as Jen mentioned earlier, they also have open-ended questions, reminders about routine developmental screening, information on how to access early intervention services, and my personal favorite, tips and activities for how to foster child development. So as communications tools, open-ended questions are important to encourage those conversations between parents and professionals. And some examples of the open-ended questions on the CDC milestone checklist are, what are some of the things that you and your child like to do together? What are some of the things that your child likes to do? And is there anything your child does or does not do that concerns you? So when a parent answers these questions, the uh, responses can give more qualitative information to the provider that may prompt additional monitoring or screening. And the questions also give parents a chance to highlight their child's strengths in a ways that cannot be cap captured by the yes, no responses. The AAP recommends routine developmental screening at 9, 18, and 30 months of age, and autism-specific screening at 18 and 24 months of age. The Learn the Signs Act Early materials remind parents and also remind professionals when these screenings should occur, and that screening can occur anytime if a concern is noted. The materials also contain information on how to access early intervention services for evaluation and treatment. Thank you, that's important to know. Um, I'm gonna reiterate that point at the end, um, but we are kind of wrapping up and I wanna turn it over to Dr. Zubler and ask her if there's anything that I missed in these questions, anything that um, didn't pop up or anything that um, this group wants to add. Well, I don't think you missed anything, but I think there's just a couple of things that this audience would like to know. Um, so I wanted to share that there was a focus in improving the social emotional milestones on the checklist. Many were reworded and new milestones were added to help parents recognize typical reciprocal interactions and express concerns if a child is not exhibiting them. Some examples of milestones that were reworded is tries to look at a parent was changed to looks at your face. Begins to smile at people was changed to smiles when you talk or smile at her. Smile spontaneously, especially at people was changed to smiled on his own to get your attention. And just a couple more. Um, explores alone, but with parent close by was changed to moves away from you, but looks to make sure you're close by. And carries on a conversation using two to three sentences was changed to talks with you in conversation using two and three back and forth exchanges. And new ones were added like reacts when you leave with examples, looks, reaches for you or cries, shows you an object he likes, shows you affection with examples like hugs, cuddles, kisses, caregiver, 
and looks at your face to see how to react in a new situation. As Lisa mentioned, the revision process was also an opportunity to review and expand the parenting tips and activities. The tips were revised to support early childhood development and relational health and to make them more relevant to families today. Some milestones from the previous checklist that were removed because they did not meet the new criteria were adapted into tips for developmental promotion since they provide valuable information for families. There are new tips about self-care, social-emotional development, responsive parenting and feeding, screen time, sleep, and other topics were included to provide developmentally appropriate information for parents that wasn't present on the previous checklist. Some examples of social-emotional tips that were added include respond positively to your baby, act excited, smile, and talk to him when he makes sounds. This teaches him to take turns talking back and forth in conversation. Use back and forth play with your baby. When your baby smiles, you smile. When he makes sounds, you copy them. This helps him learn to be social. Play games with your baby, such as my turn, your turn. Try this by passing a toy back and forth. These and many more parenting tips and activities aim to strengthen families by offering free and equitable access to sound parenting information. So I think that families will enjoy using not just the milestones, but all the other components of the checklist. Well, thank you guys. Um, I think the major points, although not all of the points, was that these developmental milestones were, um, are always in the, in the process of being revised as we know more about child development. This was one of probably, you know, they, they weren't created yesterday. They're not gonna be revised every day, but they will require kind of constant supervision in terms of what we want families to know. They are not meant to, to um, replace the developmental surveillance or a, or a visit with a pediatrician or developmental pediatrician. They're really meant for parents and caregivers and also healthcare providers to provide benchmarks and that's it. And they shouldn't be expected to do more than that. You can learn about them on the CDC website and I will put a link to that. And then you should also think about, if you, especially if you're a new parent, because I know you'll appreciate this, um, downloading the app so that you can kind of keep track of your child's developmental milestones um, and get, get suggestions on things like when to take your child in for different well child visits and also how to promote social communication. Um, so I wanna thank everyone for being a part of this, this really informative uh, podcast today. Uh, and thank you for all of the work that you've done. This is, this is really a labor of love, a labor of your love to make sure that families get the best and most accurate information and can use it in the smartest way possible. So thank you both. Thank you, Alicia. It was a pleasure to be with you today. Yes, thanks so much. We appreciate the time.